Right, today we're going to be starting a new series. You should have received one of these cards on the way in. We're going to be looking at church culture over the next few weeks, uh, particularly looking at the trait of courage. And uh, I think it's just for, to fill you in a little bit on background, we've been on a, a journey, I, I hate using that term, but it's the, it's the best way, you know, the last two and a half years as a church setting what we want to have as a culture within our church community. And uh, I think God's really been impressing it afresh on us as leaders over the last few months, various contexts we've been in, uh, leaders meetings up at King's Arms, conferences we've been to, PJ came down from King's Arms and led us as KCC leaders uh, a few months ago about culture. And it just keeps coming up, the importance of culture and seeing it modelled positively has stirred us to kind of press in afresh. So we want to take this opportunity just to kind of raise the whole thing around culture afresh today, get it in our forefront of our thinking. And what I want to do today is just give a bit of an overview, a big picture about culture. And the title that I've got is Why Church Culture is Important. Well, I actually want to sneak in an extra word and have why defining church culture is important. I'm just going to pray before we go any further. Yeah, Lord, I pray you'd really speak to us this morning about this whole area of culture. Lord, will you speak powerfully? Will you instruct us, help us to grasp something of your heart for a godly biblical culture that would have an impact within these four walls, but also way beyond wherever we go, that we'd be people who so live and breathe godly culture that it would be taken wherever we go and we'd have an impact on every school, workplace, home that we go into, bringing good, loving attributes wherever we are. Lord, help us, we pray. Amen. So first of all, I just want to quickly think, well, what do we mean by culture? Because for you, maybe it's a bit like me. I think of Petri dishes and kind of science experiments at school and you're trying to grow the bacteria and things. And it, it's the culture that they grow in. But culture, when we're talking in terms of a group or a community, it's the atmosphere, the feel, the ethos of the place. It's when you go into a place, it's what you pick up on. And it might be, it might be a good thing you pick up on when you walk into it or it might not be a very nice thing at all. You know, as someone who used to teach in a school, sometimes people would come to me and say, you know, I've got my children going to be starting school soon. What recommendations would you have? And I would always say, and I still say for any young parents, go and visit the place, get a feel for it, and go when the children are there. Don't just go on the open evenings where it's all looking, you know, they put on the best thing. Go and see it in action. See how the staff interact with the children. Get a feel for how, what it looks like. Is there a respect between the different groups of people? Do they speak well of another? It's that you're trying to pick up the culture, the atmosphere, the feel of the place, that you can only go by being in it. Now, the thing is, every group of people, every community has a culture. The question is more, is it an accidental culture or has it been deliberately set? Every place will have a feel for it, have a feel around it. And it's also different than the vision, the values, or the goals, although clearly they will be linked. Within our church, we have a set of vision statements, which I'm sure many of you know. His presence, our community, their hope. We have values that we state clearly, that we're a church that believes in grace, that it's only by God's grace to us that we can know him, nothing to do with our own works. We have a, a key value about worship, 
which is why we give significant amounts of time when we come together and worship and praise him. I value about the word, which is why I'm standing here right now. We believe it's important to speak truth. We have a value of church. Church is important. It's God's people called together. There's no such thing as lone Christians. God made us to be in community. And we have a value of mission, of going out and sharing the good news. Those are some of our key values. We also have our goals. We've talked about being an international church. God's also called us to be influential, to have an impact and to be integrated. Now, culture is none of those things, but clearly it's linked to them. The culture, the feel, the, 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 the atmosphere around the place could be expressed in a number of traits, what we want to have within our community. And when we think about our culture traits that we're wanting to establish, it, it may not reflect the complete reality right now. It's an aspiration. It's where we want to go. We want to define and shape and change our culture within our church so that it becomes part of who we are individually, but also corporately when we gather together that we live and breathe this culture, that it's so part of who we are that when we go out from here, in a few minutes' time, in an hour's time, we will be able to change the culture of every place we walk into and that it will reflect something of God's character and attributes. That's what we're looking to do. That's why we want to define culture. So I want to look briefly this morning at the why, the what, and the how of culture. Why? Why is defining our culture so important? What, what type of culture do we want to establish? And how, how are we going to make it happen? So I want to keep it quite practical as well. So first of all, why, why is defining our culture so important? I've got three reasons. I thought I'd give you three long words this morning. First one, not so long, but perhaps the other two. So first of all, it's biblical. That's a good place to start, isn't it? We want to make sure what we're doing is biblical. And the good news is defining culture is a biblical thing to do. If you look through the Bible, right from the beginning in Genesis, God creates man and woman, and he creates, he wants to make a people for himself, and he outlines what he wants his people to be like, and to do, and to look like, the sorts of things he wants them to be about doing. He sets out his um, way of living, so that they can represent something of him, and you see it throughout scripture, and certainly it kind of builds to a crescendo in Jesus, and he epitomizes and gives us the example of how to live in terms of how to treat one another. And that's then picked up in Acts and in the rest of the New Testament where you get commands like forgive one another, accept one another, show honor to one another. There's that culture that's been established. So first and foremost, it's biblical. You know, as Christians, we've been born into a new family. That's the moment we say, yes, we're born into God's family and we should be characterized by godly traits. His culture should be something that, that permeates through us and in us. Secondly, first long word, sociological. Studying human behaviour shows that culture will form one way or another. As I've said already, every group of people has a culture around them. And if we don't proactively go about setting the boundaries of our culture and values, somebody else will, or they'll just happen. You know, we've all, I'm sure, experienced places when you walk into them, you just think, oh, feeling slightly awkward here. That feeling of being a bit unwelcome. Perhaps you walk into a pub and everyone stops talking. Or you walk into a, a staff room and it's very different. Everyone has their set seats and how dare you sit on that seat. You know, there's that unwelcoming, unfriendly attitude. There's that atmosphere you just pick up. Something's not quite right. 
Now, probably none of those places sat down and decided, let's make our place really cold and unfriendly. It just happened. But it's there, and you pick up on it. So if we're not proactive in setting what we want, we might end up with things we don't want. In fact, the great analogy, someone, I heard someone say, setting culture is a bit like gardening. In fact, the word culture is based on a Latin word, cultura, where we get our word cultivate. It's about deciding what you want to have. You know, in gardening, you choose the plants you want to have and where you want them to go, and I really enjoy doing that in my garden. I love thinking, right, I can put this here and put it there. But then you get things popping up that you don't want. Those weeds, those things in the wrong place. In the, at the moment, my garden has got all sorts of weeds in the lawn. They're just there. I didn't put them there. I don't want them there, but they're there. I've got, if I don't want them anymore, I've got to get rid of them. They're not just going to disappear. Setting culture is about deciding what is it we want and choosing those and building into those and choosing what we don't want and getting rid of them. You know, I'm fortunate, I've, and I'm sure, I hope you have too, you've, I've experienced churches that have been very proactive in setting culture. You know, we mentioned King's Arm several times this morning already. They have kind of led the way for many of us on setting culture. They're now in about seven years into this being really proactive in defining culture. And if you go there, you know how beautiful and wonderful it is to see. It's really obvious, actually, the things they've been committed to developing, they are now in place. There's some amazing things. It's not that they're perfect, and they freely admit that. There's other things that, there's some weeds they still need to rake out. And what's lovely, actually, is they're very humble, and they say to people when we come, like, like me when I've been there, well, what, what do you see? What's good? What's bad? Help us. But it's really, really clear. They've been so uh, very, very blatant in setting the culture. And the result is beautiful. And that's what we want to see. We want to be proactive in setting the culture because otherwise it will just form. And thirdly, missiologically, we want to make sure, uh, why would we want to do it? Well, the world needs to see something better presented to them. You know, we all know the culture around us at times is toxic. Not just unhelpful, but it's toxic. So ready to pull people down and to bring shame and to question and to... And, uh, it's at every level of, of our society. The world needs to see something better presented. You know, we're called to be a community that's radically different. People need to be able to walk in amongst us or encounter any one of us and think, there's something different about them. I want part of that. What an, that's, a, that's a fantastic reason for wanting to get culture right within us. If we establish a godly culture securely when we gather corporately, then it will label, enable us to take it wherever we go when we're sent individually. So, secondly, what type of culture do we want to establish? Well, obviously, we want it to be biblical, godly, and loving. And we've identified six key traits we want to have. And I'm hoping for many of you this won't be a surprise because they're not new but they may have been forgotten, which is part of the reason why I want to bring them to kind of our forefront of our thinking. Well, now, we could have had so many traits. When you start thinking, how would you describe a loving, godly community, you could come up with all sorts of things. But we've kind of homed in on six. One, so that we can hopefully remember them. But two, they kind of are umbrella words for other things. So I want to just briefly define and explain these six different things and what they might look like amongst us. Now, this won't be the end of it. This is going to be an ongoing thing, and I'm sure we will be exploring in future preaching sessions, hopefully in discussions in community groups, 
kind of what this might look like. And we've begun doing that. We had a great session with leaders a couple of months ago doing that, sort of beginning to think through well, what do each of these traits mean. And we're going to be expanding on that. But this is just to kind of give you a, a, a whet your appetite a bit. So first of all, integrity. The first trait we want to have as part of our culture, and hopefully we do have elements of it already, is we want to have integrity. As the strap line says there, we want to live honestly before God and each other. Integrity includes things like honesty, authenticity, being real, trustworthy, having purity. We want to be a people that are authentic and genuine, challenging each other but with encouragement. We want, pe- want to have people that can be counted on to be there. When they say they're going to be somewhere, they're going to do it. Yeah, and your yes be yes and your no be yeah. We want, we want people that are going to turn up to things when they say they're going to to follow up with things when they say they're going to go be, to keep those promises, to follow through on things, not just to kind of drop out after one go, but to keep going with things. It's being good all the way through to the core, you know, like a stick of rock. It doesn't just have the word on each end, it's all the way through. We want the goodness all the way through us. Loving each other, raising up others, shining with truth. This is what integrity means. It's, it's a wonderful description, shining like with truth. 1 John 1, 6 to 7. I thought I'd better mention the Bible because I haven't yet, having said we want a biblical culture. 1 John 1, 6 to 7 says this. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of, uh, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We want to be people who have integrity, who demonstrate honesty at every level. We want to be authentic, putting those masks down. We want it to be a place, uh, we want our community here in this church to be a place where people feel it's okay to put those masks down and that they will be accepted, which will lead on to one of our other traits. But actually, if we put our masks down, it's so much easier to love one another because you you can't love a plastic or wooden mask. It's very difficult to do that. So first of all, we want our place to have a place of integrity. Secondly, we want our community to be a place that demonstrates generosity in all sorts of ways. As it says there, in our time, our resources, and our gifts. So generous in how we spend our time, being available to one another, being ready to step in and, and go the extra mile for people in that. Doing your best to turn up to church things that are going on. Keeping good and positive attitudes towards church with our resources, giving to each other to meet needs and not waiting necessarily being waiting to be asked, but being kind of seeing a need and stepping in. Being generous to the church like we've just been doing, taking up the offering. And I know many of you are generous through standing orders and that's brilliant. But I guess part of that is also trust that your generosity will be used wisely. That's part of generosity. Having a positive attitude to giving. Oh no, they're making me give again. No, that generosity. I want to give. And giving of the gifts that God's given us as well, spiritual and natural gifts, to bless each other. 1 Timothy 6.18 says, Do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. How are you going to be rich in good deeds over the next few weeks? It's about serving with excellence. It's those small acts of generosity. And through the small acts of generosity, we can change the culture. You know, I've said before, Stephen and Luke, they've got some of this. 
you know, those random acts of kindness they started doing in their school that then had an impact that was picked up by the leadership team and they wanted to do other things as a result of it. That's how little acts of generosity can help shape the culture. That's what we want to be. We want to be people who are like that, generous in all sorts of different ways, doing it in abundance, not miserly, oh, okay, if I'll, I'll part with this little bit of money or I'll, I'll part with a bit of my time, but I hope they give me some time back. It's that abundance, that willingness. Yeah, I want to give, I want to give. Because actually, God's given everything to us. He's flung open the storehouses of heaven. And when we grasp that, actually, generosity becomes so much more possible. Let's keep our eyes fixed on him. Thirdly, courage. We want our place to be a place full of courage, willing to step out, eager to take steps of faith. And that could be in all sorts of areas. It might be in relationships with one another. Being honest, which brings us back to integrity. Having the final 10% conversation is a phrase that uh, PJ at King's Arms has, has banded around. That kind of that uncomfortable bit, but actually perhaps the bit that might be helpful sometimes to have with people. Courage to take up leadership roles within the church. You know, we're, we're always looking for people to serve and to do things. That courage, it might not be something that we've done before, but yeah, I'm going to do it because God's with me. It might be to bring a contribution on a Sunday morning. It might even be as simple as raising your hands in worship if you've never done it before. It's things like that. Whatever it might be, we're going to be, we want to be people who are keen to take steps of faith. Facing up to our fears. It's not denying there are things that cause fear for us, but it's facing up to it and living through the fear. That's what God wants us to call us, to, to live through the fears and look at him because he's promised he'll never leave us or forsake us. He says, be strong and courageous. Billy Graham says, when courageous men take a stand, other men's spines are strengthened. Let's be people who spur one another on with acts of courage and boldness. You know, that camaraderie, you know, I'll go there if you go with me. Yeah, let's do this together. Let's have some of that going on. I won't spend too much long on this because this is what we're going to be focusing on over the next few months. We're going to be, a few weeks, we're going to be looking at this trait of courage and some of the outworkings of it. But in the meantime, I just want to ask where and how could you take a courageous step of faith even this week? So fourthly, our fourth trait is honour. We want to see a culture of honour developed within us. And part of that is acknowledging people and what they do, who they are, the value that they intrinsically have, as well as all the things that they do amongst us. But also, it's encouraging people. Encouraging is a big part of honour, and we want to keep that going. That can come in all sorts of ways. Maybe it would just be a smile at someone who's looking a bit fed up. Maybe it's a text to someone or a card to say, thank you so much. You know, it can be in the little tiny things as encouragements. It could be up the front publicly thanking someone, which we do from time to time. So honouring is mentioned over 170 times in the Bible. Romans 12, 10 one of my favourite verses about honour. It says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour. Are you there yet? Are you outdoing someone else in, in the honour that you give to someone yet? We've probably all got ways we can do this, couldn't we? What a wonderful thing if we're kind of outdoing one another in honouring one another. It would be a wonderful community. That's what we want. And we're on the road to that. There's no denying it. There is a shift happening, but we want to keep building on that. Who might God be calling you to honour? Maybe someone, it's someone that no one else seems to have noticed, but you have. 
show them you've noticed. You know, we saw it at the festival being modelled to us, applauding and standing for people. But it doesn't have to be something public. It could just be a quiet word here, a little message there. Let's, let's be proactive in this. It's also how we talk about people when they're not there. That's how we honour too. You know, do we speak well of people? Do we honour the admin team when they're trying to organise events by responding to them quickly? It's those sorts of things. You know, when Matt stands up here and says that we want to get out next week in the, in the town centre, do we honour Matt by saying, yeah, I want to be there and I can do this lot. I want to do this. Or do you think, oh, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe I've got something else going on. Honouring is so key. It, it will transform the way we do things. Let's outdo one another in showing honour. And do you know what? John 12, 26 says, we are honoured by God. God honours us. Those who serve him are honoured by God. And because we're honoured by God, we're able to then afford honour to others. We're not doing it from an empty well. He's poured honour upon us. God honours us. So we were then released to honour others. You know, any of these traits, God's demonstrates to us first. Acceptance, fifthly. We want to we be a place that shows acceptance to people, that's welcoming, that welcomes all sorts of people, whatever their background, nationality, age, whatever. We welcome them, we value them, we show they're important. If that's happening, then we would have a diverse cult community, and we certainly do have. We, we want to keep that going as we go forward. We want to have all sorts of backgrounds, stories, people coming in these doors. Part of acceptance is demonstrating patience with people. You know, they might not come at things from the same way as you, but we can show patience to them. because respect difference in opinion. It doesn't mean that we leave things unsaid that need to be said, but we still communicate love and acceptance to people. God has approved us. He's accepted us. He's received us. We can receive others. It's so powerful. You know, if we are a community that is demonstrating acceptance, it will enable people to come in and be amongst us, belong, before they even start to believe. You know, we're beginning to have that happen. We've got people who want to be around us who wouldn't call themselves Christians yet, but they're seeing something, and that's exciting. I want more of that. And sixthly, we want to be a place that's full of forgiveness. Again, God has forgiven us of so much. He's set the standard. He says, forgive others. If that's going on, if forgiveness is happening, we will be a place that's not got guilt flying around. There'll be no condemnation or bitterness. There'll be freedom and joy. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So those are the six traits. And as I said, we will be fleshing them out over the coming months. But how are we actually going to do it? Well, how are we going to make these things happen? Well, we've started it already. We've been doing it. We've been looking at it. But we want to keep it high profile. We're going to be defining and explaining what they mean. We want, we want to get talking about it. Keep it up there in our thinking, because the more we do, the more likely we are to start taking these acts. Consider what the traits might look like in different areas of church life. In fact, in any area of our lives. What might honour look like in your family life? What might acceptance mean in the workplace? You know, we can help shape that. We're asking everyone to play their part. We want you to play your part in helping establish these things. 
You know, we all need to be working towards this. We can encourage one another. And as we do, the culture will be shaped and changed, transformed. We want to celebrate when we see these traits being used. So if you see someone doing it, you know, you can, you can encourage them in that. We can tell stories because stories are powerful about things we see going on. When people step out in, in steps of courage, you know, let's, let's celebrate those things. Let's spur one another on. We're going to continue to share and publicize it. All of these things are on the website. Whenever we do our new members course, starting point, they're flagged up there. We want to make sure they're continually being raised and talked about and everyone's playing their part in that. I want to encourage you to pray for it too. Let's pray these things happen so that we can be seen as radically different to the world around them, the culture there. You know, that God would transform us to the point that people come in and say, only God could have done this, that it's that well-established and embedded. So please join me in praying that these things would come to be. I want to encourage you to apply it to every area of your life too. Culture is not just about what happens when we're gathered here at Onzo on a Sunday morning. It's not just about when you get together in your community groups. It's everywhere we go, this culture, we take it with us. Let's challenge one another. Not in a harsh way, not like with a great big baseball bat. You're not doing this. You're not being very honouring. But let's challenge one another. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Hey, look, we want, to be a, we want to be a church that's really accepting. Come on, come on, join me on that. Let's, let's encourage and spur one another on. As I said before, the weeds will grow. We have to keep on putting up those weeds, keep dealing with the things. Let's cultivate what we want and get rid of what we don't want. So today's been a bit of a relaunch on this culture stuff. You know, we started looking at it a few years ago, but we want to bring it back to your forefront of your thinking. I hope I've whet your appetite a little bit as we explore why, what, and how of culture. And as I said, there's going to be more to come. These are the things we're aiming for. We want it to become so part of who we are that we see that people come amongst us and see and feel these traits. They experience this culture before they even hear about it. You know, we want people to walk in this door and feel honoured and feel accepted before they even hear, oh, this is a church you want to be honouring and accepting. We want to transform our church culture so that we transform every culture we go into. Who's with me on that one? Yeah? Let's do it. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And I know that because I've seen it happen in other places and I'm seeing it here already. And I just want to give that, that kind of impetus to keep going. Let's keep doing it. Let's make this place full of honour and acceptance, forgiveness, full of integrity, generosity, and the last one, courage. How could I forget that one? We're going to go into courage over the next few weeks quite a lot. Okay, let me just pray and then I'm going to invite the band up. It would be great to finish with, with refocusing on the one who's made it all possible, the one who set the standard, the example, and enables us to do all of these things. Yeah, Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you call us to live differently. Lord, we can, we can honour people in, in ways that would encourage and build them up, that we can be generous, that we can be courageous. Lord God, help us continue to shape us, help us to spot things that would hinder developing weeds that we need to pull up and help us to cultivate the good things. Lord, let us, let us 
set a culture amongst our community that is so contagious, that draws others in, that they think, oh, this, this is something I want to be part of too, that truly is radically different. Lord God, help us to encourage each other in this, to challenge, to provoke, to see this really established powerfully.